You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney, Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. We need to do a show about people who subscribe for the blue check and pay like the $11. Yeah. Is it only $11? It's like $11.99 or something, I thought. Yeah. Which ever Is it $11? Maybe somebody I out there... I thought it was like 250 No, no, no. It somebody out at, there can fact check us on that. I want to say it started at eight ninety nine, and then he raised it after a month or so. But at first, it was 9 bucks. And what did you have to do to verify yourself? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. But here's the thing. I get it. I don't have one. I don't okay. have one. I want to say that before I Does our it. show have one? No. We need some subscribers. Can a show have one? Yeah. We yeah. need some subscribers to send us $11 a month so we can <laughs> blue check Faith by Hearing. Here's the thing. Wait, it's a subscription? It's a month. You pay monthly. Though. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it a, is a, you have to pay monthly you to pay keep monthly to keep the blue check. I, what? I think that's for peons who aren't really blue checked. Here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to say this. If you continue... Like once again, I want to reiterate, I don't have one. Okay, so I'm not defending it from that point. Okay, if you continue to interpret a blue check like it was under communist Twitter, then you're right. It feels really cheap to pay for one because that meant you were like a a valid voice. But now all it means is that you're not a bot. So it's not the same thing. It means that you care enough. To identify yourself as a non-bot, non-troll, which is the biggest problem with Twitter. Yeah, and I think they like push your, uh, they push your post. Yeah, you get more visibility. I had no idea you had to pay per month. <laughs> I thought it was like, uh, is it the same on Instagram? No. So it used to be like the Instagram blue checks, where yeah. basically the idea was if you're famous enough that people would try to impersonate you, then they would give you that to prove you were the real. Leonardo DiCaprio or whoever you may be. That That's Evan's favorite person on Twitter. No. <laughs> so it was like Instagram. Now it's just an authentication for any account. You don't have to be famous to but get one. But you still have to pay monthly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, back back to how they can um, stay up to date with what's going on. How, all can they, how can they find us, Evan? All that to say, find us on Twitter at FBH underscore podcast. Find us on Instagram, which is where we get the most interaction from you. So that's probably where we're the busiest right now. And uh, that's at Faith by Hearing Podcast. And then you can like and subscribe to the show on wherever you're listening to this now. Make sure that you're not just playing the episode, but you're subscribed to the show as a whole. Leave us a review on that platform. That'll help us as well as help you by enabling us to produce better content because we have more of you out there listening. And what if they have a what if they have a show recommendation? Show recommendations are actually great. We've been getting a few of those. Today's show actually came from a recommendation that was submitted to us via email, and that is faithbyhearingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send those in to either of our direct messages on Instagram and Twitter. We communicate with you there as well. So we'll keep an eye out for those if you send them this way. But that's how you would suggest a topic or give feedback. Our show today was uh, recommended by a listener, and we're going to talk today about dealing with different personality types. And just like you, our church has lots of different personalities, different personalities in home, at church, in the office. And of course, we're always dealing with uh, people who perhaps have a different personality than we do. 
And to, to give us some insight to this, we decided that we were going to uh, interview some folks in our church, try to get some differing opinions about the way that the uh, services have been going. So we look forward to hearing from these uh, in-service testimonies about different personalities and points of view. Pastor preaches for so long today. He thinks the whole world has nothing else to do on Sunday mornings except listen to him. He told too many stories, and those aren't even the interesting ones. Doesn't he know we haven't even eaten lunch yet? Tough break. But it's interesting to hear one other, another church member who sat through the same sermon uh, yeah. with a little bit of a different outlook. Pastor always has so much wisdom in his sermons. I could listen to him all day. I'm just wishing he would just turn his four-week series into one sermon. And we just get through it all at once. I love hearing the word with the church families on Sunday. Okay, so true story about this. On on last Sunday morning, I had six points that I was going to try to get through. Obviously, I didn't make it. Made it like two and a half points. So I got home for lunch, and Amanda says, in what world do you think you would have been able to get through <laughs> six points in one sermon? I said, right, it, was a little, it was a little idealistic. I, I got it. Yeah. In Jenny's world, apparently you could. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have, uh, I would appreciate more members like that for sure. <laughs> All right, so, so what, what other, what other kind of points of view do we have from the, uh, from the congregation here? We had some interesting takes on uh, post-church service fellowship. Yes. Okay. No one ever wants to talk to me after church. I start conversations with ten people after every service, and they just rush out of there. I wish we could have some real fellowship. God gave us the church so we could have friends that are forced to like us. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Some people think that. That is the purpose of the church. <laughs> uh, this next person is actually one of those 10 people that he tried to start a conversation with. Oh, how'd that go? Well, let's find out. This Sunday, way too many people were trying to talk to me on the way out. I just want to get my kid, get to my car, and get out of here. I don't even know you people. Why are you asking how my week was? What about me makes you think I want to have a deep conversation with a random church member? <laughs> I think I think Derek has that general sentiment after every service. It's, uh, it's not hard for me to slip into that. <laughs> All right, and then... For our last one, we have here at our church several connection groups. It's a couple different takes on those. I just love my connection group. I just wish we got more time together. My teacher only has activities four times a year. I don't know why we don't do them every single month. Don't they know that the early church men houses every single day? Good night. People are always asking me to join their connection groups. Why would I even want to get here early on a Sunday for an extra service? I mean, come on, man. With a smaller group, I would actually be forced to talk to people. That's ridiculous. Plus, they probably have activities where I would have to go to somebody's house on a weekday. No, thank you. So it's very interesting to hear that we have people who all went to the same service, all experienced the same thing, and as you could tell, as you listened, came away with very different opinions of those events. <laughs> yeah, the the reality is in any situation you have people who see it in a particular light and they look at the scenario whatever it is at the church in your home in the office they look at a, their particular scenario through a certain lens and 
you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about different personality types. And I think the two of you, although you do have some similarities and things that you do like, you're pretty different as far as your personality types go. Um, but, you know, according to the Bible, long before there were personality types, there were really four kinds of people. We talked about this a few episodes back, but the Bible says there's wise, simple, foolish, and evil. That those are the four kinds of people that live in the world. And the determination of what kind of person you are isn't found in your own self-assessment. Well, I think I'm a wise person, or I think I'm just you know a simple person. The kind of person that you are is revealed in the way that you respond to particular situations, the way that you respond to particular people around you. And what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about how do we respond to people who perhaps see things differently than we do, interpret scenarios differently than we interpret them, and then how do we find a way to be able to be able to get along? So Derek, you would be, in your, in your own opinion, would you be more introvert or extrovert? I would definitely be on the introverted side of things, naturally. And have you like always been that way? Or Yeah, I, th- I think growing up, the second sibling has been a huge reason for that. Just I was so easily going with the flow, doing whatever my brother did. That was kind of always the, uh, I get to sit and observe and, you know, someone else can entertain me. I, that was definitely my disposition. What about what about you, Evan? What would you see yourself more as, one or the other? So this is a challenging question for me because I always said I was an extrovert because I'm an outgoing personality. Uh, and if we're using that definition, I would be extroverted. But I heard a couple of years ago that an introvert is someone who is recharged by time alone and drained by time with people. And an extrovert is someone who's recharged by time with people and drained by time alone. And if you want to use that definition, I'm actually introverted, where when I'm with people, I enjoy to talk. I enjoy to kind of be at the middle of things and keep things moving along. Um, but I do find that, that that kind of tires me out after a while, and I like to recharge by myself. So Yeah, I think we all are probably a little bit of both. I don't know that there are very many people who are all like one or the other. In certain scenarios, you know, you could be extrovert if it's the right scenario. In certain scenarios, you could you could probably find yourself very easily being an introvert. Um, but th- the good news is that God's Word has has given us instructions for, for how we deal with people whose personalities are different from our own. And there's a, there's a story in Acts chapter 15 about Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas, who went down to Jerusalem, who stood up for Paul in Acts chapter 9. Then Barnabas was sent to the church at Antioch. Things went so good that he went and got Paul, brought Paul up there to be with him in Acts chapter 11. And then, of course, Barnabas and Paul together, they go into you know, the, the mouth of the lion. They spend time in Jerusalem. And while they're in Jerusalem, they meet this guy named John Mark. And the Bible teaches us that when they're at Pergama on their missionary journey, Acts chapter 13, that John Mark quit. And the Bible doesn't tell us why John Mark left the team, just that he did. So we don't we don't know what happened, but we know that whatever happened, there was 
a disagreement about the ways thing, the way something was handled or the way things went. I've heard people like speculate, oh, John Mark got homesick or John Mark got scared. Or, mm-hmm. But the reality is we, we don't know. It, the Bible doesn't say. It just says he turned around and he went back. And the good news in all of that, I think for us, is that you know we've all had seasons in our lives where dealing with whoever we were dealing with or dealing in whatever circumstance we found ourselves in, that we've we've all wanted to throw the towel in and give up. And John Mark, Barnabas, Paul, these guys are no different. But but the story goes that they get home, they give their reports to the church. And Paul says something to the effect of, "Hey, let's let's go back around. Let's do it. Let's do another round of trips." And Barnabas says, "Sure, let's do it. I'm in, and let's take John Mark with us." And Paul says, "Absolutely no way." And Barnabas says, "No, come on, cut him some slack. He had a rough go of it. It was his first time on a mission trip, and I know you know nobody's perfect. He let us down last time, but he won't let us down this time. Let's." Let's try it. And Paul says, no. And Barnabas says, yes. And Paul says, no. And Barnabas says, yes. And the Bible says in Acts 15 that the contention was sharp between them, that they had a disagreement about what ought to transpire in this particular event. And I think maybe the best lesson to learn, there's several of them, but here at the beginning, the best lesson to learn is that Disagreements will exist in any age, in any family, in any ministry, and in any business. This is just the nature of the way um, we live in this world, that sometimes we have too idealistic of a view for ourselves, and we think, oh, well, we're never going to disagree, or we're never going to have differences, or we're never going to see things differently. But the reality is, we do. We do often in marriage, in our families, in a particular ministry, for a particular church. And the temptation comes that whenever we do have disagreements or whenever there are differences, that we're tempted to question the the power of the gospel. We're tempted to question whether we made the right decision in getting into a relationship with that person. We're, we're tempted perhaps to, to question that person directly. I've been in scenarios where somebody's having difficulty in marriage and they interpret their difficulty in marriage as, oh, well, I must have married the wrong person. And that's, that's not the way in which it goes, that sometimes in this world, and actually oftentimes in this world, we'll have disagreements. If you read about you know, any commentator or scholar in that Acts chapter 15 passage, they they disagree with about who was right. And some people say Barnabas was right. And some people say Paul was right. So who was right? Was Barnabas right or was Paul? And the answer is yes. And well, who was wrong? Was Barnabas wrong or was Paul wrong? And the answer is yes. What you have in that scenario in Acts 15 is you have two good men. You won't find any better men in, in the early part of the church. And these two good men disagree about the way 
a situation needs to be handled. I heard someone say that Paul in this situation was guided by principle. And the principle Paul was guided by was kick me once, shame on you, kick me twice, shame on me. So I'm not going to allow you to kick me again. And I heard someone else say that Barnabas was a man who was guided by potential. That everyone in Barnabas's mind, everyone deserves a second chance. Everyone deserves another opportunity. And what you have, whether it's true that one was guided by principle and the other was guided by potential, what you have is you have two men who are operating in this particular scenario, looking at it from a different lens in a different way. And that happens a lot of times. This shouldn't discourage us. We should just recognize that sometimes disagreements disagreements happen. But there's a second realization that we should have here too, and that is this, that oftentimes disagreements strain the relationships that we have. So the most, the most painful thing about disagreements is, is it puts a pressure on other relationships. And most of the times, those relationships, they look different on the other side of that, of that separation. What's interesting about, about Paul and about Barnabas is they agree on doctrine. They both stood and defended the doctrine of grace They were pillars in the early church. They go into Acts chapter 15 speaking together, but this contention, this disagreement is so sharp that when they leave Acts 15, they won't even speak to each other. And it was because that there was a relationship that got between their relationship. And you and I both know, we we, we know people like this, people who say, well, you have to choose. Are you going to be his friend? Or are you going to be my friend? Are you going to like them or are you going to like me? And if you don't agree with them about how they should treat another person or about how you should treat another person, then they're going to, they're going to write you off as well. And it's important to recognize that when we are having difficulties or disagreements in, as we navigate life, that we don't allow external uh, relationships to impact the the current relationships that we have. I don't, I don't want to be the kind of person who makes you agree with everybody that I agree with and makes you not like everybody that I don't like. But I also don't want to be the kind of person who feels beholden to someone else and their particular disagreement that they have. That, that we, can, we can recognize, hey, I may disagree with that person on particular things, and I'm not talking about doctrine here. I'm talking about the, th- the areas of which would call for discernment and judgment, which we'll see in just a moment. But we can disagree about particular things, and that disagreement can simply be that. It's a difference. It's a disagreement. And we don't have to call for someone else to ostracize or excommunicate someone from our particular community as a result of having a disagreement about the way things should or can be handled. I think someone who is calling for friends or external relationships to take sides in a disagreement would feel that the problem was with the other person. There's a problem with them, so I need you to be on my side. But the truth is, if you feel that pressure and that need, it speaks to a problem that you have with yourself. Yeah. Because there's insecurity that's built up inside of you that calls, you need people around you to feel secure in your position. Yeah. So at the root of it, it's, Probably not that you have a problem with this person. It's that there's something about you 
that you're insecure in that causes you to build pull an army around you. Yeah, and we we start getting people around us and just winning them to our side of the argument, right? right. We start case building. Do you know why her and I don't get along anymore? Do you know why him and I don't get along anymore? Let me tell you all the things I know about this particular situation with this particular person. And we start trying to win people to our side. And when you're facing differences as it relates to relationships, it's important to recognize that you're not going to allow someone else, some external relationship to impact the relationship that you have with a particular person. So refuse to be constrained to someone else's battle. Refuse to be drug into someone else's war. That you can agree or disagree with particular people without the need to drag everybody else into your argument. I think a a third lesson to remember in, in dealing with differences is that a lot of times, many of the decisions that we make in this life are are judgment calls. And, and what I mean by judgment calls is there's no specific rule of Scripture that applies to the decision that needs to be made. Mm. Now, what's true is that there are times where there is a specific violation of Scripture happening, and that isn't a judgment call. But what I've found in, in my own life and pastoring for almost 14 years now, most of the decisions that I make in this life aren't necessarily right or wrong decisions. They're they're judgment called decisions. It's a decision that you're making that's based on your own wisdom, your own experience, or the counsel that you have received along the way. And, and, And obviously, some of the decisions that we make are you know, explicitly guided by scripture, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay. That's a, that's a simple decision to make. If someone is living a sinful lifestyle in clear violation of a direct, explicit command in the Bible, we don't have to wonder if that's a judgment call. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those issues like this. Should John Mark go with us or not? And Paul, you know, if it is that he's standing on principle is he right is he more right than Barnabas who's standing on potential and the reality is it's a judgment call that's all it is and Matthew Henry on this point he he calls these um he calls these points of prudence and, and here's what his words say I'm quoting him he says even those that are united to one and the same Jesus sanctified by one and the same spirit have different apprehensions different opinions different views different sentiments and points of prudence. It it will be so that while we are so in this state of darkness and imperfection, that we shall never be all of a mind until we come to heaven where light and love are perfect. And and I, I love his I love his stating the obvious. We all have a different opinion about the way certain things can or should be handled. And those differences of opinion are okay. That's what we're saying. It's okay to have a different opinion as it relates to areas of wisdom or discernment or judgment calls. We're not saying, I just want to be very very clear for all of our listeners, we're not saying difference of opinion as it relates to clear things in the text. We're talking differences of opinion as it relates to things that are not clearly 
or explicitly or implicitly implied through through the scripture. So an example of this, which is funny to me, I remember as a little kid, a revival speaker came into town, an evangelist, and he starts preaching away, you know, at least good like revival sermons on how to, you know, get right with God by getting rid of everything in your in your life, you know, basically. And he used a sermon from the, or he preached a sermon from the beginning part of Romans chapter number one, where it says that they've taken the creation of God and they've turned it into, you know, into incorruptible, the worship of incorruptible beasts and, you know, uh, four-footed creatures and winged creatures and all this stuff, right? And he says, uh, that's like we're seeing this happen in our world today through uh, the cartoons that these boys and girls are watching, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then he makes the argument that the word mutant is what Paul was aiming at in Romans chapter number one, which makes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles bad. And why it was a problem for me at that time was I had a huge box full of Ninja Turtles oh, no. that I'd been given through Christmases or birthdays, you know, my parents had bought for me or whatever. And I remember my mom. I remember my mom and dad going home that night and saying, "We're getting rid of all of our Ninja Turtles." And they threw them all out in the trash. Like we couldn't even give them to the Goodwill. Like we we had to throw them away. And you fast forward, you know, you fast forward my life. I get married, have kids. I'm at my mom's house for you know a Christmas time, and my my mom buys my kids this present. My kids rip open the present for Christmas. And when they do, they open it up and it's Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo Ninja Turtle action figures. And my boys are going crazy because they're so happy to have Ninja Turtles. And I start thinking, well, hold on a second. No, I had to get rid of all of my Ninja Turtles. You know, no way, mom. I'm not letting that trash in my house, you know. And this was, you know, like this was a, a real point of contention for this evangelist, right? This was the thing that you had to draw the line on. And things like things like this is what we're talking about, right? That the di- minor differences of opinion of whether you should or shouldn't watch Ninja Turtles or participate in going to Disneyland or, you know, any any of these sorts of things that you may have an opinion about but there is not an explicit command in Scripture concerning. And I think we have to be careful in areas like that because, and I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. You're at least 50 years older than me, so that evangelist is probably way ahead of my time. <laughs> so he's probably dead. Yeah. but Well, he was old when I was a kid, so I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure he is by now. Were, were he in the studio today, he would probably be convinced that that was not a matter of opinion that right. he saw in the scripture where that that was clearly commanded. So we have to be careful in making sure that we're not making the scripture say what we want it to say. That we're taking, we have to make sure we're not taking our point of view or opinion and imposing it on the text, Right. imposing it on the scripture. Instead, we're allowing the scripture to influence and impose itself onto us. And what we're saying is there are some in the church who eat meat, and there's some in the church that don't eat meat, and that's okay. It's okay if you they have a difference of opinion concerning these particular things. It's not okay if they have a difference of opinion concerning the 
the deity of Christ. It's not okay if they have a difference of, of, a, of opinion concerning the resurrection of the Lord. Those are not okay. What we're talking about is we're talking about cultural battles that we wrestle and struggle with today or individually, and then taking those and imposing them onto the scripture to meet our opinion onto the scripture as opposed to allowing the scripture to lay itself, weigh itself on us. We had to apply this to any number of issues in our lives because it's easy to draw the line at, I think we all can think of situations where we had our own Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle moment, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, I'm sure. But this transcends just standards of entertainment. You see in the last six or eight years, how many times have we seen the church divided over political opinion? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Bible speaks very clearly to some political issues, the Bible does not speak very clearly to political figures. Right. But we've seen members of the church for nearly a decade now come to points of clear separation based on our opinion of a political figure. Right. And not just one, but time and time again, we let these things infiltrate the body of Christ where Christ has not spoken explicitly about them. Sometimes decisions we make are simply judgment calls. That's what we're saying. Right. That not every decision is a decree that you fully agree with everything that that particular group, person, organization, whatever, represents. Right. Not every decision is a decree. Not every decision is some double-edged sword, right? Oh, I know what he meant by that. I, I know why he decided to do that. I know why she decided to do that. And not every decision is a direction. Sometimes it's just a decision. Mm. It's a standalone decision that is being made to this person's best use of wisdom, experience, and counsel. So is there more wisdom, counsel, or experience this person could have that would make the decision different? Perhaps, but that person doesn't have it. That's what we're saying. That's what's happening here. Paul and Barnabas in Acts 15 are making the deci- different decisions, and they're making them as, as judgment calls concerning John Mark. The other thing I would say here on dealing with differences is don't take to heart everything that someone says. That universally, employees complain about supervisors, students complain about teachers, Children complain about parents, and oftentimes complaints stem from the fact that one person approaches a particular situation differently from the other. You know, Solomon Ecclesiastes talks about being careful not to hear what your employees or, you know, servants are saying unless, you know, you you hear them talking and they're talking bad about you, and then you take that to heart and it crushes you because you thought, oh, I thought my employees loved me, you know. God's word warns us not to listen too closely to the complaints of people, where we're hanging on to the words that someone else has, hoping to hear praise, hoping to hear some kind of affirmation. And instead of hearing praise or affirmation, what we end up realizing is that this person perhaps doesn't like us or didn't like that decision, and then we end up with with a hurt feeling, and we end up offended in some way. So Paul and Barnabas are disagreeing, that's true, but what's interesting about neither Paul nor Barnabas in any of this say, you know what, I quit. 
that, that even though there's a disagreement between them, they don't go through the rest of their ministries bitter, resentful, hating one another. They don't go through the rest of their ministries holding grudges against the other person because of this disagreement. In fact, five years later, Paul writes to the believers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 9, and he has he has a lot to say, but one thing he says is, I've had plenty of opportunity to, to live off the offerings of the church that, that's been a blessing to me, but Barnabas can use them as well. And he, he talks about that in the present tense where he's defending his own apostleship. But what he's also doing is he's also commending the ministry of Barnabas to the church at Corinth saying, that's a good ministry to invest in just the same. Ten, year, ten years later, Paul, Paul writing from prison, the, the, the first Roman imprisonment, three Jews were left with them. One of them, John Mark. John Mark is with Paul at that point. John Mark, who I thought was faithless, who wasn't good to go on the next trip, the next journey with you. John Mark, who Paul says in that passage is a fellow worker, laborer in the in the faith, and someone that should not be rejected. And then fast forward 15 years from there, you know, Paul at his second imprisonment, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he tells Timothy, come quickly and bring one person with you. And who's the one person that Paul wants him to bring? John Mark. And what does he say? Because he's profitable to me. He helps me. He's He will be a good help to me. So bring him along the way. And what that teaches me is that despite all that was said in Acts chapter 15, which we have to, we have to, no, like the, the implication of the scripture, the contention of, is so sharp between Paul and Barnabas about John Mark that somewhere along the way, right? Paul was, John Mark is lazy, he's a quitter, he's good for nothing. How could he possibly even help us? And now you fast forward five years, 10 years, 15 years later, and you see these two men who had used words that potentially could have been words that were held on to, resented, bitterness grew out of that, grudges were were held. Fast forward years later, and you see ne- neither of these people are allowing the words that were said in that moment to, to separate them from the work that needed to be done. So as it relates to dealing with differences, don't, don't take to heart all that someone says. Sometimes people are speaking from a place of hurt, Sometimes people are speaking from a place of frustration. Sometimes people are speaking from a place of fear or, or, or angst. And, and what's more likely, which is the next point here, is that we, we need to realize that for whatever somebody else is going through, there's probably more to the story than we realize. Hmm. And, and, I, and I, have, I have learned that through the years. Oswald Chambers says, there's always at least one more fact which we know nothing about in every person's situation. There's always at least one more fact that we know nothing about in every person's situation. I can, uh, I can, I can, you know, sometimes I'm, as I'm preaching, I can stand and go look at somebody whose, you know, disposition or attitude during the service looks bad. And I think, oh, that person, they're just being rebellious. They don't want to hear this, you know, and it's easy to look at somebody's response in preaching or, you know, ministering or teaching or whatever and assume that you know everything that this person must be going through and they're just having a bad attitude because they don't like what's being said. But the reality is 
most of the time. Somebody could be sitting in a service listening to it and their disposition maybe is negative or hurting or, you know, or cold or indifferent. And it's not because they're mad about the sermon. It's because they're struggling with whatever was taking place in their own family life throughout the week. And sometimes we we must recognize that everybody faces struggles and everybody faces struggles that they keep to themselves. So even when the person is a child or a parent or a spouse, there's always something about that particular situation that we know nothing about, which is important, which is important to remember. And then I think the last thing I would say here, just just helping you maybe deal with differences of, of others is we need to allow for the frailty of other people. Perfectionism is is deadly to a relationship. And it's especially deadly to a relationship when it's directed at a spouse, a husband, a wife, an employee, a child, you know, uh, a mom or dad. God, God wants us to be people who fear him, who walk in his ways. That's true. But God is also compassionate to us, and he's also merciful to us, and he's also gracious to us. So when we we fail, or when we have shortcomings, or when we don't handle things correctly, or when someone else doesn't handle these things correctly toward us, we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded, you know what? This person isn't a perfect person. None of us are. And there's going to be frailties along the way. There's going to be imperfections along the way. And the the more that we do life together, spend time in communities, the more that we're interacting with one another, the more opportunity there, there is for someone's imperfections or frailties to be able to show up in that particular relationship. So these, these are some ideas of how we learn to deal with the differences that we have with each other. And so allow for frailties, recognize there's more to the story. Don't take to heart every word that somebody might say. They, they could be speaking from a place of hurt or anger or fear. It, 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 it's not necessarily reflective of what they, they might truly believe in the particular moment. Realize that many of the decisions we make, they're, they're not decrees, they're, they're not directions, they're not double-edged swords, they're just judgment calls that someone's making and recognize that sometimes the strain, the difficulties that we have on one particular relationship to not allow it to impact the other relationships that God has given to us and then realizing that that disagreements happen. Of course, this is true. This is true because we're sinful people who live in a broken and fallen world. So it'll take place. It'll, it'll be like the guy who looked at our, uh, decor this past week for Vision Sunday when we were all happy to unveil the new logos and banners and uh, told one of our men, hey, you know what? That looks like a, it looks like a funeral home to me, you know? And there are other people who walk out of the room and they go, we love it. We love the theme. We love the logo. We love the new ideas. People can have difference of opinion and that doesn't need to make us or break us. I'm going to give away the hat again today because Jordan Dow never sent me his address because he doesn't really listen to our podcast, so he doesn't deserve the hat. Man, that's probably my fault. He sent it to me. Never mind, Jordan. (laughs) I take it all back. You're a great, faithful listener. Take all of this out, Derek. I'm leaving, dude. (laughs) No disrespect, Jordan. All love, buddy. But 
No, there's no but. <laughs> I was misinformed horribly. I think he didn't have all the facts. <laughs> I, I, did not. I think that is my fault, actually. See, that's a great example of me making a poor judgment call. And Jordan, <laughs> because he listened to today's podcast, will not write me off as a person because I made one bad decision. That's right. To call him out live on air. Which is kind of my fault for not telling you that his address. So <laughs> I, think it, I think it traced right back to me. I apologize. Jordan, I'll get your address ASAP as possible. And it'll be my <laughs> fault that I leave all of this in. <laughs> I'll get your address and I'll send you your hat. That's my bad. But we're doing a hat giveaway. We're doing another hat giveaway. This one will be a little bit more demanding of you. You have to bring 3,000 new subscribers. <laughs> and every person who brings 3,000 new subscribers will get entered to win a hat. No, I'm kidding. It you will... have to have a blue check next to your name when you follow. <laughs> oh, no. Everyone who leaves us a review on Apple Podcasts, in the next seven calendar days. Okay, I like it. From the time this airs, we'll be entered into a drawing, and we'll do the same as last time. We'll draw live on air, give away another hat, but leave us a review, not just tap the stars. You got to write something. And if it's negative, we're not putting your name in the hat, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully the next your name is recognizable enough. If yeah. you're if you're being difficult and you're writing negative reviews in our uh, Apple podcast, we're gonna send you a hat that says "jerk." <laughs> People might actually want that hat. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts in the next seven days after this airs, and you'll get entered into a hat, and we'll draw your name out of that hat to give you that hat. If that makes sense. Derek, any uh, any strange listeners from strange parts of the world? You know what? We have had a couple interesting ones. A lot of European countries this month. Some, what? The Czech Republic. You had the... Uh, Shut up! Germany, Switzerland. Oh, but, yes. Uh, people seem to like our Good Humor episode. So if you haven't heard that one, go that, back and that check one, it that out. That one was a lot? We with gotta... our guest guest star, Salvador Bustillos. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And lastly, before we shut down for the day, we want to take you to Evan's Mailbox. Evan's Mailbox. Here's the mail, it never fails. Make me wanna wipe my mailbox. And here it is after that great tune brought to you by Derek. <laughs> this is from Bernadette Molina, who writes, Hola, I listened to the Biblical Manhood episode today. It resonated with me since I am raising a son. Very enlightening, spot on. Keep up the great work. Wow, round of applause for round Bernadette applause. on that one, man. I think that's a lesson for all of us because when I see a podcast topic that doesn't directly apply to me, I'm like, eh, I'm going to skip this episode. I'll, I'll catch up next week. But there's something for us to learn if we step back and think about the greater picture of our lives and you never know where your life's headed. So any topic could be helpful to you. And I think Bernadette saw that in the Manhood episode. Evan, you got our final word for today? We'll go out on this quote today, which may be a little bit counterintuitive to what you said, but it speaks to difficult people. <laughs> Relationships with negative people are simply tedious encounters with porcupines. You don't have the remote knowledge on how to be close to them without getting quills shot in your face. Ouch. <laughs>